The Last Joy Ride, Part 31. Saturday, 10.22 a.m. I followed along in the little Maserati. It was cute and quick and smelled like a cheerleader, but I didn't fit in the damn thing. I couldn't figure out how to turn on the air conditioner, so I just had the windows down, which caused the wind to buffet something terrible. Still, it was worth it not to be choked with the smell of baby powder and whatever sweet cologne Sasha had used that impregnated the interior. I thought I knew where the bank was Joy had in mind. I did, too. Even though she offered the terse explanation of, I made a deal, for the life of me, I couldn't figure out why we were giving the car up. I mean, how could she think she could trust this woman? Even if her info panned out, was it really worth giving up the car? I was led to believe we would need to sit on this for a while due to it technically being stolen property. Still now, here I was driving this wedgie on wheels to leave at a safe spot for pickup by the somewhat nefarious owner. Unreal. Traffic between us cleared, and I saw where she pulled in. Sure enough, it was a busy bank. A real public and safe spot for this sort of thing. Joy had her reasons for her actions. She always seemed to, anyway. I just knew I couldn't let this one go. I pulled the Maserati into the space on her right, pried myself out of the seat, and then stretched. The late morning air was noticeably cooler that day, giving us a nice break from the relentless Georgia humidity. Joy appeared from around her jeep, holding out her hand for the keys. I gladly handed them over. She put them into a small black plastic bag with a note, sealed it, peeled the back of the bag off, and handed me the refuse. She looked around us quickly, then dropped to her knees, then her stomach, rolled onto her back, and scooted under the car. I just stood there watching. She was only under there for a few seconds. I reached for her hand when she wiggled out. Joy took it, and I hefted her to her feet. That's common. Those bags can't be seen. They stick under the frame, and they're hell to come off once they're set up. She's familiar with them. Learn something new every day, don't we? I answered. Joy was in a mood. I damn sure was, too. She didn't even banter with me. She just got back in the jeep and started it up. I climbed in and buckled up. No telling where this would go, especially if I had told her what was on my mind. There was no sense in holding back, though. You sure this is a good idea? I asked innocently as I could muster. No, I'm not sure of anything right this second, except that I'm going down here to Fred's to get a chili cheese and slaw dog. I must have had a puzzled look on my face. Joy glanced at me, then came back with another answer. No, I'm not sure. If none of Sasha's info pans out, we'll come back and pick it up ourselves. I've got two more cars with her info we can pick up today, leaving us with just two more after. I think it was worth the risk. Look, I said defensively, I'm not arguing with you. She cut me off. Yes, you are, Nick. You've had a bug up your ass ever since I told you to shove off at breakfast this morning. Her voice clearly revealed frustration, but she was not shouting, not yet anyway. Well, do you blame me, Joy? One minute I'm your partner and you want me around. Then this chick sits down and starts talking and you tell me to take a hike. What gives? My words were not as calmly delivered as hers. Look, Nick, I told you the stuff I needed to tell you this morning. I don't want you to hear everything. Sasha and I have a past, and that's a past I don't care to visit. I'll never revisit it once this shit is over and done. I looked out the window as the scenery sped by. The sky was a little deeper blue. Summer was nearly over. People were enjoying the weather, enjoying each other, enjoying life. I wondered silently if I was to be part of the past or the future. Saturday, 1.43 p.m. 
I had backed the camper into the warehouse and had the brakes torn entirely down when I heard Joy's phone ringing in her office. She dashed out of the apartment and quickly answered it. The sounds echoed in the near-empty space, but I couldn't make out anything definite. I would find out soon enough. Are you at a stopping point? She yelled across the building to me. Sure, I can pick back up any time. Just changing the wheel cylinders. Why? What's up? I got a lead on the McMars. We need to check it out. The Corvette? Yep, she responded flatly as she walked back into her apartment. I stood up and wiped my hands on the shop rags I had in a pile behind me. I was still clean. Sweaty, but clean. I brushed myself off and walked towards the bathroom. I could hear Joy saying something, but couldn't make it out. I'm going to the John, I shouted, so I, so she would end the useless chatter. When I came up, she was ready. She had changed into another t-shirt, this one much more form-fitting. My God, she was a looker. I put, a ton, I put out a ton of feelers on the whole list as soon as we got it. I mean tons. Everyone I knew in the biz, some I didn't know. I put finder's fees on reliable info. Nothing panned out until just now. She explained as we boarded her jeep and began the trip south toward the city. Clever girl. Just like I always said, her mood had improved a little, maybe due to the lead. I knew I was in love with her, no doubt about it. What I did have doubts about were her feelings for me. Since returning to the shop, I had left her alone and opted to work on the trailer. More flustered than heartbroken, I tried to put it all out of my mind until this job was finished. So, do you know this person we're supposed to be meeting? No, she shook her head. Never heard of this guy, but he introduced himself as Jake from Walker's Recovery. I put out some RFIs a couple of, in a couple of the trade forums. That's probably where he got my number. Uh, RFI? I questioned. Request for information, she answered. And we're not going to meet anyone. We're going to check out the lead. If it pans out, I'll pay for it. Where the hell are we headed? I demanded. It'll be hard to believe, but we're headed to a college. Georgia State. It's downtown. I know where it is. I was born here, remember? I was aggravated, and it was starting to show again. Joy flashed me a curious glance, but said nothing. So we're giving the Maserati back on some information, and we are now going to chase down more information in order to pay off some unknown guy who's in this business. Have I got it right? I muttered. She shook her head in the affirmative. Yep, that about sums it up, Joy agreed. Why not bring the Maserati out after checking out Sasha's info? I mean, it just makes more sense to me that way. Yep, maybe it does, she said as she punched the accelerator hard and shot us into the passing lane of the freeway. But you aren't running the show here, are you? She said flatly, without even so much as a glance in my direction. I hated being talked to like that. How could Joy go from being wrapped in my arms, sleeping on my shoulder, to so detached and forbidding? What could I say in response? No, I guess not, was all I could muster. I stayed as quiet as I could all the way downtown. There was a mass of construction on the downtown connector, so Joy quickly left the freeway at North Avenue and headed east when she picked up Piedmont Avenue and headed south. The inner city traffic was usual for a Saturday afternoon, heavier in some spots and lighter in others. It was always unpredictable on the weekends. Finally, she pulled into a parking lot on the downtown university campus and took the spot closest to the road. Still silent, she hopped out of the jeep. I followed. Saturday, 2.40 p.m. We're going to walk down here to the student center. There's a college radio station. I cut her off. Album 88. Yep, I know it. 
Well, good, she continued unflustered. We're going down here to peek and see who's in the studio. If our info is correct and our mark is working, then the McMars is around here and close. There are four decks close by, and it will be in one of them. I nodded in agreement. This at least sounded a little more sound, more like a plan. Still, it would have been nice if I had been included in it. We strolled casually down the sidewalk, past one of the parking decks she had mentioned, on our way to the student center. The campus was nearly vacant, with summer break in full swing. But there were still people around, just not in the numbers the crowded downtown campus usually had. That was a good thing, too, because the brass planetary gears in Joy's beautiful mind had become slightly off-kilter, and this was going to be one hell of a long day. The student center was open and moderately crowded for a summer afternoon. Sure as shit, among the tables and booths at the back of the student center, you could see the partitioned glass and drywall studio. Well, part of it anyway. There was a booth that looked similar to the control booths I had worked in a few years earlier. It looked like a small radio station, perhaps because it was. I followed as and I followed as she casually walked to the window and peeked inside at the two students who were presumably manning the live feed. She smiled and waved giddily. Both, both students did their best to ignore her. She was standing directly beneath the lit on-air sign. Is that your mark? She smiled at me and nodded. You damn right it is. Well, let's go. You've got the keys, I asked, just a little anxious to get out of there. Then Joy's phone rang, and she looked at it, puzzled, then answered. I couldn't hear who it was because she walked away toward the open center of the dated building. I peeked inside the booth myself. Sure enough, two males, one an obvious Mystic Seer fan. This kid wore ridiculous short red dreadlocks. He dressed as a clown, black jeans, suspenders, and a long yellow t-shirt, about three sizes too big. He had to be the one. Unreal. Joy was stomping her way back to me. Her body was rigid, shoulders squared, her lips clamped tightly and chin forward. She walked to the booth window once more, then went to the door of the station and, and tried it. And sure enough, it was open. As usual, I was not expecting what came next. Joy entered the vacant station and tried the door to the broadcast booth. Naturally, it was locked, as they usually are in private broadcast studios. That didn't stop her, though. She began pounding on the heavy door, making all manner of noise. She didn't let up, either. I could just imagine what was happening on, on the other side of the wall and dealing with that kind of noise during a live broadcast. Then suddenly the door cracked. It was the kid who had been running the board, not Red Dread. He opened it just enough to get his head out and scold Joy, which lasted all of about two syllables. He put the palm of her hand against, she put the palm of her hand against his nose and pushed herself in, nearly knocking the kid down in the process. The kid started to protest, but remembered to lower his voice. He tried grabbing her by the arm, but she jerked away and savaged him with a look that would have sent chills down anyone's spine. She marched around the table to the red dread and held out her hand. The vet. Give me the keys, she demanded. Red Red pushed his mic away and pressed a button, shutting it off, cold. The other kid scrambled to his board and frantically tried to take care of the dead air. Red Red tried to get up, but she leaned hard on his shoulder and forced him back to his stool. Sit down, asshole, and pass those keys over. Lady, he said in a near quiver, that's not my car. No shit it's not. I'm here to collect it for the owner. Mystic? he blurted out in disappointing surprise. Give me a fucking break. Mystic, pass me the goddamn keys or I'll take this fucking place apart and find them myself. 
Both boys looked to the door of the booth almost in unison. I stood there trying to look as large and unwavering as I could and crossed my arms, daring them to test for it. The dread-headed punk reached into his pocket, fished the keys, and handed them over sheepishly. Joy snatched them from him and grimaced. He winced as if afraid he would be struck. Now where the fuck is it? she demanded. Out behind the building, next to the dumpsters, Red Red mumbled. This fucking building? she roared. Yes, he quickly insisted, trying to avoid further confrontation. Joy evil-eyed the other kid, too, as she backed up a step or two and moved over next to me. She pushed me out of the booth door. Sorry, kid, that's the break, she said as she slammed the door behind her, then trampled me as she ran by. I followed behind her. We burst through the student center doors at speed, and the noise of the door slamming against the backstop, backstop thundered behind us. She sprinted to the right around a, a wall, a statue of a panther, and some ornamental hedges. We disappeared behind the student center. Sure enough, another sixty feet away, and shielded by four large Dempsey dumpsters, was the McMars, a seventy-eight candy apple red Corvette. The little asshole had left the top off, too. Joy paused only long enough to throw me the keys to her Jeep. I'll see you back at the shop. Keep your phone on, she yelled as she jumped in the vet and fired it up. She didn't even give it a chance to warm up before punching it into reverse and squealing the tires. I was only a few steps up the sidewalk before she left the parking lot nearly sideways and roared past me up Piedmont. She was unreal. I got in the jeep and headed home. I was still pissed off but couldn't help but be impressed. Damn Joy was tough as nails and whip smart. I might never figure this one out, but we damn sure weren't going to be physical anymore until I got some solid answers about our future, if any we would have together. Well, at least that's what I kept telling myself.